재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 That was a whole epiphany like kind of changed my whole mindset There's a big risk, but at the same time, it's one of those things where if you don't do it, you're going to spend the rest of your life wondering what would have happened. So, of course, I had to do it. The expression, home is where the heart is, came to mind. I'm already set it down here because, you know, my family is here. Every week we find an interesting expat out there and we ask them a very simple question. Why here? Why are you making your life in Korea? And why are you doing the things that you do? We've had some kind of high-profile people on, uh, minor celebrities, things like that. And we've had just some regular old people and we find that their stories can be just as interesting as well. Actually, the person who goes out and gets the stories and gets the voices is our team member, GP. He is back now in the studio to help us meet a new person. Hey, GP. Good morning, Kurt. How's uh, how's your morning going so far? It's a bit rainy, a bit wet. Uh, I walked into work and uh, got a little damp, but uh, no problem. You got a fresh haircut. You look clean. I did get a haircut. Yeah, it's nice. I feel like I'm not wearing a carpet on my head anymore. <laughs> the, uh, the name of the segment, Why Here in That Question, that I am lucky enough to ask people and fortunate enough to hear their answers, you know, it doesn't really get easier. It gets easier for me to ask, but it's still really awkward, you know, because I feel like I'm encroaching upon something extremely personal to a lot of people yeah almost asking them to justify you know hey why here yeah but in a sense their own existence which (laughs) is insulting a little bit i might be a little bit insulted i think you're uh, overthinking it um why here at the end of the day overthinking (laughs) that's what i'm told well it's about uh, you, you you're curious as to why somebody would make a decision to be here for a length of time like you and me like 10 years or however long uh it's a big decision and oftentimes it happens so organically before you even realize it that there's a story around it yeah and being somewhere else uh, that your parents didn't grow up in, you have no ancestors in, is still not normal. But y- the world is changing. We're going t- into a direction where one day we're not going to ask this question anymore. Yeah. Do you realize that? Eventually, we're not going to ask this question anymore. It, it may be the new normal is what you're saying. The world is getting smaller and people almost as par for the course uh, change countries, change locations all the time. Yeah, of course. And that's something that we're lucky enough to deal with. And something Elena Putina today's why here featured expat has dealt with um her tale is one of like a long distance relationship that didn't quite work out but then it did then it did gotcha elena is bubbly positive talking to her was a huge highlight in my day last week and hopefully it will be for our listeners as well my name is elena patina i am from moldova a tiny country in eastern europe and i'm quite the bookworm Let me say this. I'm a major bookworm. I love books. So I usually do a yearly challenge. This year, it's 60 books a year. I'm a little bit behind with my challenge, but it's usually 50 to 70 books per year. Kurt, you are also nose deep into a book almost every morning. I see you with either a paperback or usually it's your Mm -hmm. e-reader. How many books do you think you get through a year? Well, it's it's kind of a 2016 phenomenon for me because uh, I noticed that uh, social media and all of this electronic screens were degrading my ability to keep my nose in a book. So I've made a real effort to read again, just read written words on a page again. I guess so far 
about four books and a mountain of magazine articles. Uh, I would like to go for maybe 12 to 20 books this year. I'll, I won't get anywhere near Elena's 60 books. Yeah, I probably average three or four a year. I'm a little bit ashamed to say, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. You know, for I asked her, how can I get through more? And she says, audiobooks for people that mm-hmm. have a hard time kind of sitting down and dedicating time to uh, reading a novel or something. Audiobooks are a great way to go. Mm, that's a great use of downtime. You know, walk instead of, you know, taking the bus or whatever to work, walk. And uh, that gives you an hour or two hours to listen to an audiobook, immerse yourself, and it's good for your health. And I was thinking when she suggested that, uh, Kurt, would you be down to voice an audiobook with I, me? I would love to. I think that sounds <laughs> wonderful. It's a wonderful idea. And I often uh, listen to these books from these major services, and I think, no, I could do that. Uh, this guy's kind of. I've never thought that until really? she. Yeah, but I think it'd be absolutely hilarious. There's actually a sort of a charity you could about call myself, it a, not about you. <laughs> Let me just clarify. <laughs> That's that. cool. Uh, LibriVox. Have you ever heard of LibriVox? No, no. LibriVox is this thing where you can voice a book. It has to be something that's in the common domain, like a classic. Uh, or okay, yeah. There's and you can voice tons it, of those. And you can upload that, and then it's uh, available for either the blind or people who want to listen to audiobooks. Uh, and that's a good way to start laying down tracks and practicing for that book that you eventually want to voice for a professional service. Wow, that's a fantastic little idea there. Wow, super interesting. I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, anyway, that, right before I kind of played that clip right there, I teased you about her relationship, how it didn't work out, but then it did. It's actually the backdrop for why she's living in Korea. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a long story. The reason I'm here, I'm here with my husband, but his story is the long part because when he was 19, he met someone. He was an American, but he was traveling to Korea very often, and he had a lot of connections at different universities here. And my husband's a really bright guy, and he was offered a scholarship at one of the Korean universities here. He took the chance, although it was really unusual. Moldova's not really connected to Korea in any way. I think he was one of the first Moldovans to come to Korea to study. He did his four years and a half. He studied graphic design, really liked it. He learned some Korean, made some amazing friends. He came back home, got a job. We got married. And there's a bit of a bittersweet part that Korea plays in our love story because my husband and I, we were dating when we were 19 and then he left for South Korea. We tried the long distance thing for a little bit. It was painful. So we broke up. Uh, I remember as a kid back then, I just thought, oh, I do not like this country. You know, I just stole my boyfriend. Eventually, we did get back together. And, you know, there's love is stronger. So we got married back in Moldova. But it was one of our dreams to come visit Korea because he spent so much of his youth here. Obviously played a, a big part in who he's as a person and So we were planning to come for about, let's say, a month or two to visit friends. There's something about Korea. I don't know if you've noticed, but it just draws people back. So, uh, you know, that like being 19 years old, taking that scholarship in a foreign country, a very foreign country in which you don't speak a language, the culture is drastically different than your own. Is that does that sound like a curt decision to you? Something you would have done at that age? Well, that is kind of something I did at 18. Um, really? I, I did a year exchange straight out of high school in West, what was then West Germany. Um, and I didn't speak a word of German, and they chucked me into a German school and sink or swim. Would you have done all four years there? 
I regret sometimes not doing uh, my um, abitur. That's the baccalaureate over there, uh, the degree, the sort of high school degree in, ah, in Germany. Okay. I should have done that in retrospect. So I should have stayed for like an extra year or two. But under this particular program, you had to go home. And after a year, uh, my parents and my family were anxious to get me back home. But yeah, I wish yeah. I'd, I'd have considered that. That's gutsy. I I only did uh, four months in Japan during my senior year of college. Well, that's still very cool. Yeah, but I don't. I would not have had. Um, I think the fortitude. I, I guess I was just looking forward to the American college experience. Mm-hmm. So you know, to say yes to something like that is a very particular decision, and it's obviously had a trickle down into not only his life now, but also Elena's life, which we're hearing about. Yep. They broke up at nineteen and got back together. Um, I was totally different at 19 than I was at 23. Yeah. Right. So that's a pretty astounding to me. In that interim, um, after he came back from doing his undergrad in Korea, they spent four years together in Moldova. And uh, they actually lived together in Lithuania for a year where Elena taught as an international university teacher. And um, her husband taught remotely. She jokingly refers to him as the tag-along spouse. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Aren't they all? Aren't all spouses <laughs> tag-along spouses? <laughs> Wow, dude. What a comment. Wow. <laughs> and now she um, she refers to herself as the tag-along spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting, though, because, you know, we, we had um, that one guest a long time ago speaking about digital nomads. Yeah. And when you're a designer, a graphic designer like he is, you can do that kind of thing, right? So does that really make you a tag-along spouse? I don't know. Um, it makes you kind of a self-sufficient, you know, sort of co-traveling spouse, Super I suppose. cool. Super cool, I think. She says it draws you back, and, you know, Korea drew you back, Kurt. I'm sure it'll do the same for me if I leave, but I can't quite put my finger on why that is. Have you felt drawn back to other countries in the way that you felt drawn back to Korea? Well, I feel drawn back to Hong Kong, uh, but at this particular time, it's not really realistic for me to go back and move there. But almost not a day goes by when I... Don't say, gosh, I miss Hong Kong and I would, you know, love to move back there at some point. I think about uh, going back to places for vacation. Like I've been to Thailand and uh, Vietnam and Japan and I would love to go back there for more vacations. But I don't really entertain the thought of living there too much. Mm -hmm. Maybe Vietnam because uh, my cultural heritage. And Vietnam, uh, Ho Chi Minh City is like one of the hottest cities in Asia now for young expats to go live. Yeah, everyone's like, hey, you speak Vietnamese. Oh, here's a little thing. Um, You know, we talked about reading books. I am almost completely illiterate in Vietnamese. I'm ashamed to say. Spent four years learning when I was a kid, but I hated it. I didn't I recognize the yeah, value. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, it's mostly um, the, the Latin alphabet, right? Uh, with it's the Roman alphabet. Mark, Roman alphabet uh, with little markers and things. So I think you could pick it up very quickly. Yeah. Hey, have you ever heard of a book called Catfish and Mandala? Oh, my favorite book of all time. So really? Yeah, yeah it's absolutely a good, fantastic. He bikes, he's a Vietnamese-American, like yourself, and he bikes through Vietnam and rediscovers the whole culture. It's really a nice book. Catfish and Mandala by Andrew Palm, is that right? Andrew Fan, fan, P-H-A-N, actually it inspired me to get out of America for the first time when I was 20. Cool. Uh, Let's head back to Elena, though. You know, we don't often highlight the sacrifices involved with living abroad, mainly because it's so easy to get carried away with negativity. But I did want to take a second to recognize them today. I was working back home. I did have a job. I had a small business, actually, a bookish business. We were making accessories for bookworms. So we did have to make a pretty tough decision coming here. 
we both agreed on it because we decided that this is a really good time to do it. We're still very young. We're still hungry for new experiences. And, and, and Korea was definitely a destination we wanted to, to explore. You know, sacrificing a business or, you know, like that YouTube channel a lot of people are doing, from, in my personal case, a podcast, all that stuff, that's sort of, you know, your baby, your brainchild, the uh, change in society that you want to influence. Mm. Letting go of that is not, you know, it's not insignificant, even if it doesn't generate any money for you, right? Uh, Kurt, you used to do a podcast, right? But you've since gotten a lot busier. Yes. Was that a hard decision to kind of let that go? Yeah, it's more suspended than anything else. I used to do a podcast on North Korea, and at some point I'd like to take it up again uh, in some kind of other uh, iteration. Uh, but I'm very, very fascinated with the whole geopolitics of this region, and I'd love to dive back in and start up that podcast again. But yeah, with this show and with some of the other projects, um, it, it made sense to suspend it. Yeah, so it's just that hard to let it go that you haven't, right? You yeah. want to bring it back because it's worth it. Sure. Anyway... Uh, she showed me a book sleeve that her brand made. It was gorgeous. I wanted to buy it on the spot. I was disappointed that I couldn't pick it up for uh, friends. You know, it was clear that she was passionate about it. Deciding to sacrifice, make that compromise together is super important. But in my case personally, I don't know about you, um, my my margin, my window for that kind of compromise, it feels so slim. And that could be a selfish thing. Kurt, is there... When you say the window is slim, what exactly does that mean? It means that uh, the amount that I'm willing to compromise to make a, to kind of establish a relationship oh, okay. with someone, um, that commitment seems like there's not that much room for it. Like, unfortunately, I haven't met anyone that has compelled me to feel that way. Not that saying could it's change. I think that would update if you if you met the right person, you might update your uh, priorities a little bit. But you're also kind of a young guy, so I mean, there's no reason for you to bend over backwards for uh, another person unless it makes sense and dovetails with what you want to do anyway. Yeah, and Elena obviously had that. It was worthwhile for her. She'd been in that relationship since she was 19, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move forward a little bit with it. You know, we speak to a lot of North Americans and of that, a lot of males. So I can already somewhat predict what their biggest hurdles have been, very similar to my own. And so I was curious if Elena's struggles were similar or contrasted sharply. The professional part was definitely a challenge. That was probably one of the biggest challenge for me when I came to Korea because I had a very active life back home, uh, very much involved. And coming to Korea... I'm not legally allowed to have a full-time job. So that was a bit of a challenge. That was quite the challenge. The good part about Korea is there's a lot of opportunities out there to do other things. So I actually got to do radio, to be sharing my experience as a new person in Korea with the rest of the world. I got to start my own book club with a few ladies who are also readers. I'm learning Korean too, which is something that I would not have been able to do probably. I've met really great people. And yeah, it's, it's been a really good experience, even though professionally it might have been somewhat frustrating. I didn't know that, that the uh, sponsored spouse visa, the one where you're not married to a Korean, where your spouse is not Korean, wasn't a full-time work visa. Did you know that? I didn't. Um, it, it, I guess it kind of makes sense to an extent. If you're not married to a Korean, uh, you should be able to live here, but um, from the government's perspective, why would they allow you to work full-time? 
Yeah, let's not go down that rabbit hole, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know that, so that was kind of a bomb that was dropped on me. Uh, the professional part is always a challenge everywhere you go. But, you know, those of us who come here generally already have a job laid out. Yes. And so starting that is at least a little bit easier. You know, Sakia, last week's Why Here guest, made that very abundantly clear that when you come here with a job, it's way easier. Sure. But for Elena, there is... um an advantage that she had in that she was already so familiar with Korean culture because of her husband, right? Uh, she transitioned into, like, the bright side of everything almost in, like almost just naturally. Well, she sounds uh, very smart. Uh, she speaks exquisitely good English. Oh, yeah. There's I not even, floored. there's, like, a little sprinkle of an accent there, but she uh, speaks, like, a, almost a native uh, U.S.-style speaker. So I think she's probably good at picking up Korean as well. You know, she pointed out, language difficulties for sure she said that um actually she was arrogant because of her competency in so many european languages a lot of them are very similar as i understand it um i don't actually know myself because i don't speak any uh but she said that she kind of had that swagger going Uh into it uh uh, and that when she tried to pick up korean that just did not apply yeah yeah korean is not something uh, that you pick up as a Westerner, like you can, you know, if you go to Spain or you go to Italy or something, it's entirely plausible that you'll just pick up through osmosis Spanish or because it's close enough. There's an affiliation or an affinity between the two languages. But dropping into the middle of Korea, it's very hard to just kind of pick it up by ear. You have to study it methodically. Yeah, I found that um, that uh, I picked up Korean relatively easily from my exposure to Japanese. Mm. Uh, Vietnamese does not carry over. But because I have that exposure to Japanese, Korean, Vietnamese, I thought uh, learning Mandarin would be a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And I tried a little bit. I had a a Mandarin-speaking roommate in college. And for just three and a half years, all I heard was, nope, that's wrong. Nope, you're saying it wrong. Why can't you get it right? Are (laughs) you like, uh, it was so frustrating. Uh But I still love the guy, Ricky. Big shout out to you. Thanks for your patience. Um, Anyway, let's move on to the big why here question of the half hour, shall we? Sure. A few months back when we had to make our decision whether we are going home at the end of his contract or staying, one of the key elements that affected that decision was the community we have here. And that's actually one of the challenges, but also an advice that I would that I would give to anyone who comes to Korea and any country, actually. We found a really good community in our church. We go to an international church. So we have expats, we have Koreans, people from all over the world. And it's been a really good community for us. We've been able to get involved. We've been able to make friends, especially with a city as big as Seoul. It really is overwhelming when you first come because there's just so many people and you're surrounded by people all the time. But it does tend to get quite lonely when you realize, wow, I I don't know anyone. It's such a huge city. But then when you find a community and with us, it was our church. If you don't have that, then I would recommend that that you look at your interests. If you're interested in books, if you're interested in CrossFit, if you're interested in jewelry making or cooking, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Some of them started by the Korean government or the Seoul government. Some others are started by other expats who've been in the same situation. And when you have that little community of people who care and people who understand what you're going through, it really makes it a whole lot easier. And it also gives you an opportunity to experience different things. I've I've learned how to cook some Korean food. I've, I've taken Korean cooking classes or I've taken Korean traditional painting classes that I would have not done anywhere else, probably. 
So that's definitely my one recommendation. When you come here, do find a little group that cheers you on <laughs> and supports you and, and gets you in some way or another. Great suggestion. Yeah. yeah. Listening to all that, I feel like I haven't tried that much. And she's only <laughs> been here like uh, you know, a, a fraction of the time I've been here. She mentioned a cooking class. Actually, the uh, Booty Kitchen blog ladies are doing one tomorrow. Unfortunately, I can't make that. So yeah. I made sure to tell them, uh, hey, do you want on the weekend that I can make Booty it Booty Kitchen, double B-U-R-I. They're going to be here for their segment tomorrow and follow them online on Facebook because they're always doing these little seminars and cooking classes and uh, shared dinners. That's one good thing to get involved with. For sure. Um, so we're talking about community because that's why she you know, kind of stays here, that sense of community. You have that community for yourself, Kurt? In what sense does that community exist? Well, I was a correspondent before, so I've got the, the built-in community of journalists in town that uh, I'm friendly with. Um, I do volunteering, and I've met oh, yeah, some right. superb people through volunteering, really nice people. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of feel good. And people that turn up to spend the whole day contributing uh, tend to be kind of nicer people. You know, they're, they're, they're giving people and nice. Um, and I do have, a, like, one or two interest groups that I pursue. I like that you use the word turn up in a totally different context than people <laughs> my generation use the yeah, word turn yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> millennial. The millennial talks to the Generation X. That's, uh... Uh, so uh, the book club. That we've mentioned a little, a few times here, Elena says, um, it's actually for females only, right? She says it's female for female bookworms. There's a ladies English book club organized by the Itaewon Global Village. So you actually have to head on over there physically because they meet physically uh, for that. So please do head on over once again to the Itaewon Global Village to check out that ladies English book club. Ladies English book club. And on that plug, we will wrap up this week's edition of Why Here. GP, thank you very much for putting this together for us. Always. Always a pleasure, sir. Alrighty. And that's our Tuesday edition of Koreascape. We are produced by Christina Saul with associate production by Jamie Lee. Writing by this guy right next to me, GP1. I'm Kurt Asian. Do remember to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Koreascape is the handle. And we're back at 9am tomorrow with some health advice and our food segment, Local Eats. See you then.